Today's reading is Matthew 13, 10-17. It can be found on page 901 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's Word. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Those who have will be given more, and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. Truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The word of the Lord. Will you join me in a word of prayer as we begin? God of grace, as we come into a room and we come from all kinds of different places, different uh, experiences of you, different experiences of your church perhaps, we might come this morning, um, some of us maybe even thrilled and full of joy because you have answered prayer in a way that we, we maybe didn't think possible or it's just been so long since we really believed that you were active and that you cared. Others of us might be on the opposite side of that, crying out amidst problems or issues and wondering when it's going to get easier, wondering if you're the answer or if, they sh- if we should just give up calling out to you. And others of us may become with just so many questions and barriers to belief um, that we're quite certain that it might be a mistake to be even on this journey. Wherever we come from, God, may you help us to know as we sit here that we're the same in an essential way before you. That all of us, no matter how much we might try to hide it, we're more of a mess than we care to admit. And help us to see and to and please speak to us through the grace that, and the story of grace that tells us that you move towards us even when we're a mess. Most importantly, you move towards us when our hearts begin to be open to that fact that we need you and that we can't move on without your help. Will you speak to us with that grace and help it to transform those areas of our life where we need it the most? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love TV. I love television, but we're in this phase of life where I have a family of three little kids, and we try to keep television on the fringes and the periphery and you know, from coming in and being this constant thing, which it can be, and which it would be if it was up to me, in a sense, because... If I just lived by myself, I'd probably watch so much TV, way too much, and I wouldn't regret it at all. Um, and it reminds me that March Madness is coming up in about a week, and, and I also love basketball. And when those two come together, TV and basketball, it's a, it's a dangerous thing. 
we have we um, I don't, we don't get cable or satellite um, or all the other you know the internet TV and whatnot. We have an antenna in the attic, and before we had the one that we have now, it was it was um, kind of a cable, a hidden cable going up there to this this old um, kind of falling apart rabbit ears. And so often I would have to get like a stepping thing up and climb up into the ladder or into the attic and adjust the rabbit ears. And sometimes I'd be on the cell phone in the attic and sometimes it'd be in the summer so it'd be really hot and I'd be like, is it good now? Tell me now, tell me now. I'd be moving these rabbit ears around to try to get, you know, and sometimes it would be like a weekly thing going up there and, and adjusting. And if it rained and it was cloudy, the reception was bad, I might even grab some foil and try to wrap it around the end of the broken rabbit ear, uh, you know, ears going up. So this whole thing, just to get, you know, better TV reception. I think as we move into the season of Lent, there's a picture there of, of what, how Christians have entered into the season of Lent. Um, in many ways, during Lent, there's this idea of God's grace for your life right now, and always, really, but God's grace for you, His love in your life, if you're receptive and catching it and, and getting a good signal about it, um, life is so much better. Life is so different in so many ways. And Lent is kind of like saying, what if we took about 40 days and just every day kind of went up to the attic? And, and you know, it's hot up there and it maybe doesn't seem really convenient, but if you just adjust in Lent, if you just adjust things a little bit, make some adjustments for this season, um, what if the reception and your, your really your spiritual receptivity is tweaked just enough that you get these greater glimpses of God's love and His grace and His mercy in your life? I think that's Lent. And this, I couldn't have um, really predicted this, but this passage that we're dealing with is a great setup for the season of Lent. There's this strange saying of those who have, more will be given. Those who do not have, even what they have will be taken away. It seems like a divine unbalancing of the scales. It, it doesn't seem right. It's a very pr- provocative statement that Jesus says at various times, but in this passage it's very clear what Jesus is talking about when he uses that phrase. It's very, very insightful that there are 20 references in this chapter to hearing and to ears. There are ten references to eyes and perceiving. It all adds up not only to 30, for those of you who are not good at math, but it all adds up to just a lot of a sense of, you know, not literal eyes and not literal ears, but spiritual receptivity, spiritual openness, connection to what's going on with God and how that connects with your life. Being alert to God. Um, and I had no idea putting this at the end of the series of difficult sayings of Jesus that it would be like just setting us up for the four-day countdown to Lent. One of the ways to, to try to understand how the, how, you know, verse 12 is the tricky, the tricky statement. Those who have will be given more and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Somehow that relates to spiritual openness, receptivity. One of, the, one of the places my mind goes with that is children and their own kind of listening habits. When children get to about the age of four or five, 
somewhere in there, I'm not sure, but I think that's right around when it happens. They begin to get so, be able to be so focused on what they're doing that they can tune you out. And I think what's actually happening developmentally is they're developing a couple of filters that remove all the unnecessary parental messages <laughs> from getting into their brain as, they, as they're trying to really absorb all the important stuff of life. And it can be kind of frustrating to, to, to try to, you know, figure out, you know, figure out how to get kids to listen, how to get them to come. And um, you definitely, one of the things you, you get a sense of as a parent, you don't want to ha- have to always explain why they should come this particular time, you know. If you set it up that way as sort of a precedent, that it, only if it's a really good reason that I explained to you, then you'd come uh, to me. You know, you want it to be really, in the ideal world, is sort of automatic thing of you hear mommy or daddy's voice and you immediately drop what you're doing and, and come to where they are because surely they have good things for me. Um, you really, you know, you want them to come immediately. You don't have to explain because, you know, it's survival in one sense. You know, you picture little Susie getting a little too close to the tracks and you, you don't want to have to explain, you know, there's a train coming and you don't really get it yet in life and death, but it really is important right now that you would come so that you don't, I mean, you don't, you just... Please come right now. You're in the wrong place. There's also a sense of, of just parental love. You want this relationship. You want them to learn and it to sink in over time that they really sense that you have their best interests in mind. That if you're calling them, that there's something really that's in their best interest. So um, as you try to do this and not always have to give a reason, there's different parental tactics. Let's just call them what they are. There's the, the first step is just to, a general call, a general announcement. You know, please come where I am. Come to the kitchen. Come outside. Come to the front door. A general call. And you hope, like I said, for that to just catch and that the, the love between you and your child, but it often doesn't. So you move on to step two, which is the introduction of a consequence. And oftentimes that's not even enough. There needs to be connected to the consequence, um, step three, which is the countdown. <laughs> and you, you might start out just by referring to the countdown, and that might be enough. You know, um, do you want me to count? I'll count. <laughs> and that you're tapping into sort of a, a magic, a childhood magic that we don't yet understand. I think our best scientists are on it. This magic of how when you begin to count down for children, that some switch gets flipped and they, they, they think the world's coming to a close the way they act and they just come immediately. So there is a trick to that that those of you who don't have kids yet, you should file that away, the countdown. I'm going to count and if you don't come when I get to, you know, to zero, then da-da-da-da-da-da. Now there's a four, if none of that works, there's a fourth approach and that is to lie. Um, and so I, you don't want to do this very often for obvious reasons, but... Um, but you know, I will, I will say there are certain things that you can tap into in ter- terms of a child's mind that really work and get them to come. Um, one of them is candy. So you can say something like, what on earth is this pile of candy in the living room doing here? <laughs> and you, you know, you pretty guarantee that, you can guarantee that they'll come when you say that. And there's other bizarre things like if you say, what kind of dead animal is that out on the driveway? Um, for some reason, children and lifeless furry things that just, <laughs> They're just, I, I don't know, I don't get it, but it's true. Um, so imagine this. Uh, a couple of parents 
have, uh, or a parent, has a kind of a frustrating day on these issues of children listening. And it gets kind of towards the end of the day. There's five minutes left till bedtime. Um, and the children are engrossed in some activity. They're playing. And the parent looks out the window and sees an ice cream truck. It's about a block away. And the parent knows that if the children come relatively quickly upon being called, they can get, we can all get out there to the ice cream truck in time and have sort of this just before bedtime amazing rare experience and is this joy. But it's been a difficult day, and so the parent, um, as parents are, you know, kind of thinks, you know, we'll see about this. So the parent just calls, just a general call of the children. Come on in. Come, come into the front room. I need to talk to you. And so you imagine two different scenarios. One scenario is the children don't come. Five minutes later, the normal kind of bedtime thing happens. Even what they're doing stops. They're playing, and they don't get ice cream, obviously, because they didn't come. And even after maybe being called three times nicely, they still didn't come. Can't parents be kind of kind of mean? Some of you are thinking, what a mean parent that would do that, would not go and tell them, shout out, an ice cream truck, because you know they'd come right away. But now picture another scenario is that they just immediately upon the first time being called, drop what they're doing, run into the living room, everyone goes out, ice cream. Bring it back in, enjoy it for, I don't know, five, ten minutes. And the parent, because of the, the just the deep sense of parental love and how this has just brought a difficult day all together, the fact that they came immediately, the parent says, you know what? If you guys go and get your pajamas on and brush your teeth, extra ten minutes of, you know, whatever, free play. TV, video, whatever it is, books. Those who have, more will be given. Those who do not have, even what they have will be taken away. Does that kind of start to make a little sense of that? Another way that I, when I, when I read this, when I think about this difficult passage is I think about it in terms of marriage. Um, so let me, let me give you another hypothetical Situation. This has nothing to do with reality, especially my reality. The person in the story is not to be associated with me. You've got a couple, and they get to the end of the night, and they're exhausted. It has been just one of those days. And part of just defragmenting at the end of the day is having the laptops out or whatever book, you know. And he, he's got his laptop out. And as they're kind of just, you know, trying to cope, trying to get over the busy day, um, there's a little bit of chatting back and forth, and the wife begins to talk about, you know, how her day went, and then it moves on to talking about tomorrow and what tomorrow is going to be like. She says, "Well, you know, I, I, I'm making that, um, I'm making a pot roast for my aunt. You know, she's going through that thing, and I, you know, I said I'd do that, and so I'm doing that tomorrow." And she's talking, and he's giving certain cues that he's listening, and. And she says, you know, and I'm going to have an extra roast because I, I bought it at Costco. And so, you know, to buy two because that's just how it's packaged. So, And then he kind of perks up and he, he's a little more coherent and he kind of chuckles about the Costco thing. And um, so it feels like he's really tracking. And then she says, but if you, and if you stop by at around noon, there will be an extra one ready. You could have lunch, your favorite lunch, you know, roast. 
And, um, and he's kind of nodding and um, grunting and in ways that seem appropriate in the midst of listening to a conversation. And, but what's really just happened is that another um, very important interview of Charlie Sheen has been highlighted on, on, on Facebook, and he's reading that while he's saying, you know, making sounds that sound like he's listening. So we get to the next day, and he's off at work. And he's, it's, it's about noon, and he's just gone to the freezer at work because he's remembered it's been a long time since he tried a Hot Pocket for lunch. And... Um, so he, he, he does that, and then at about uh, 12.45, just when he's starting to you know, second-guess that whole decision about the Hot Pocket, um, he gets a text message, and it says, Missed you for lunch, but I'm out of here now. See you later. I guess we'll have it for dinner. And he kind of pauses, and he's confused. And so he calls, and what's going on? What are you talking about? And she brings him back up to speed on the conversation from the night before, and when she mentions the Costco thing, and then he remembers, oh, yeah, oh, okay. And he just realizes how he was not listening, but he plays it off as being distracted and busy with work, and they hang up. And at this point, he's now confident that the Hot Pocket was a bad move, but he's also trying to figure out where he went wrong the night before. To those who have, those who are listening, more will be given. Those who do not have even what they have in, you know, full hot pocket form, will be, even what they have will be taken away. Um, in Matthew chapter 13, this is what Jesus says, and what we maybe don't know if you haven't looked at the context is that he's explaining He's explaining the parable where seeds are thrown into different kinds of soil. At one point, he says, um, so he kind of like talks, gives the parable before the part we read, and then explains the parable after the part that we read this morning. In verse 22, he says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to people who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. It's really important in your life to stop and think about when you're telling someone, perhaps, about how, you know, it's just another one of those crazy days. To stop and think that there might be some really important spiritual implications to what you just said. This verse has us wondering if those meetings and your schedule and your work and even your money that it all, not that any of it's bad in itself, but it might be functioning in your life right now in a way that's actually filtering out the voice of God and your connection to God. And it might be functioning in a way that it's choking, actually, your, your spirit, your really important inner life with God. Oh, another crazy day. Another busy day. And it might be keeping you from, as verse 15 says, finally turning to God, hearing His voice, and perceiving Him. And He says, and I would heal you. If they hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, I would heal them. What a powerful thing 
And what a piercing question to ask. I mean, what an incredibly piercing question. Is God beginning to heal you? Is God beginning to heal you? What a question. But really ask yourself that. Is God beginning to heal you in any way that you can point to, that you can, that you can affirmatively say, yeah, it's starting to happen? That's what this is all about. Another scenario. Someone goes to the doctor, and the main reason the person is going to the doctor is to get the prescription refilled. But the doctor wants to go through a whole exam. And at the end of that exam, not only does he want to do that, he or she, but then the desire is to talk a little bit. And the doctor says, you know, let's talk a little bit about your lifestyle. And, and the conversation goes around to, you know, things like uh, exercise and diet and smoking. And the person just wants to shout out, get out of my life and fill out that prescription. There's a sense in which, if you think about it that way, someone might be in their relationship with God just managing pain, in a sense. Just managing the mess. With, and without stopping and assessing the bigger picture, the spiritual receptivity that's going on on a daily basis, that that pain management or mess management, eventually, that won't even work. To those who have, more will be given. The person who listens to the doctor and applies all of those things might actually find a sort of healing that makes, depending on the case, I know we have medical crowd folks here, but depending on the situation, <laughs> not my area, I'll admit it. Depending on the situation, following those orders might even bring about the situation where the meds aren't needed anymore. And there's a sense of healing physically, um, whereas you could have the same, the reverse happen, that just reliance on the meds those don't even work anymore in the end. Or you need more and different kinds all to add it on top because you're getting worse. Is God beginning to heal you? Revelation chapter 3, um, verse 20. Jesus, there's these letters in the book of Revelation at the beginning. There's seven letters to seven different churches and they're coming in the midst of a dream that... The Apostle John is having, and their messages to real live churches in real places, and each of them talks about those who have ears, let them hear. That's a refrain over and over in these letters. And then the final one says this in verse 20 of chapter 3 Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Isn't that a great picture? Lent might, in fact, be for you God's gift to your spiritual life. Especially if you're a New Year's resolution person because about a month ago you realized that you weren't doing so well on that and you gave it up. Lent is only 40 days. And, and the secret also is this, is that Christians traditionally have on Sundays taken a break from whatever new discipline or thing they're doing because... Um, you know, the whole 40, 40 days plus six Sundays, the 40 days are kind of the, 
um, kind of look at your mess and reassess life and introspection. Sundays are a celebration of the resurrection and the new life. It's days of feast. So, you have this period of time that might be actually a gift to your spiritual life and to your inner life. And this is how I want you to think about it. It's a time to remove a lot of the noise that is keeping you right now in your life from hearing God's voice. Does that sound good at all to you? Clear out some of the noise. Hear the voice of God. Be healed. So, I'm hoping that as we come out of Lent, there's some stories of how people have done this. I'm hoping for stories like this, like someone who decides to live on less money for this time and to do what many Christians have seen as sort of the biblical pattern of giving and just try it for 40 days, you know, of, of giving to God sort of the first fruits. That's in a biblical idea. Giving, giving uh, 10% tithe of what you earn uh, up front before the other bills are paid out of gross, not just even net, and going 40 days trying to do this. I know it sounds ridiculous. It sounds over the top, probably, but it's, it's not me. It's, I didn't make it up. It kind of comes from this whole philosophy from the Bible. And, of course, the idea is not um, to focus on money or to follow some rule. The idea is maybe money for you is something you need a little bit of a break from because it's just noise. And worry about money is just noise. And if you let go... God's voice will kind of pierce through and you'll hear it and you'll find healing in ways that you didn't even imagine were related to the issue of finances. I'm hoping that there's some stories like someone unplugging the TV uh, Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, and plugging it back in Easter morning and just finding a whole new way to spend time, a whole new rhythm in the day. I'm hoping there's some stories of people who decide to unplug the router for the internet at 6 p.m. every night. And just kind of see how that changes the evening routine. I'm hoping that there's just creative things, maybe like someone who decides to not eat anything every Saturday, fast, Saturday and Sunday morning, and the first meal every week after spending a day perhaps in occasional prayer and reflection and journaling, Sunday morning, the first thing that you eat, the bread during the Lord's Supper, during Communion before you go back again to eating. Or like someone who just decides every day going to go out and take a walk through the neighborhood. Walk and talk to neighbors and pray, maybe in the meantime. Pray for our city. Pray for your neighborhood. Pray for the children to have loving family, loving parents. Um, Pray for our city. Pray for the new folks in your neighborhood to feel welcome. Pray for new relationships to blossom. Pray for more justice and peace at a bigger level that kids getting into their teenage years would feel less drawn towards gangs and gang violence and destructive drug use and that there would be just a a sense of health that would spread and um, fewer unwed mothers and fewer um, intentionally terminated pregnancies and that there would just be a greater sense of people growing up in our city the way God intended them to grow up, thriving in a calling, making the city a better place. 
That's the kind of stuff I'm hoping for during this season of Lent. And I hope that you'll join me. Will you pray with me? God of grace, I pray that you would help us. There's so many ways we would like to change or we would like to know you better, but we're, we often feel helpless and like our hands are tied. Would you be the force through your Holy Spirit that connects us to you, draws us closer, and helps us to know your deep love for us, and helps us even in this season to clear away the clutter 